0: Hello, my friends. Today, Joel is talking to Sammy, co-founder and former CTO of both Insido and Brand Rippler. And they discuss what it's like leading two growing startups at once. Right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. So you're the, tell me about the company you're the CTO of.
1: Well, there are two companies, not only one, they, uh, it's two products okay. called Insider, And Insido is a uh, city guide uh, that helps people and tell them recommendations about uh, where to go and the best places to visit around the city. And uh, we recently started to expand. We're going to expand regionally. We're going to open in Saudi. We're, gonna, we're planning to open in Egypt and uh, Kuwait and multiple uh, cities around the region. And the other one is... Uh, brand rebler and brand rebler is an e-commerce platform it's a pretty new idea uh, as you know now these days uh, people are into working with influencers instead of just paying for tra- traditional ads so what we do is we are the communication channels between influencers across the different social channel like instagram twitter facebook and uh, youtube and brands who would like to work with these influencers and the whole thing is automated from booking the influencers to payment to submitting the content for the brands to review and all the different it's it's pretty complicated from the technical perspective comparing to inside we just launched the last year but actually we, it, we, it's doing very 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 good
0: that's exciting and so you're actually in dubai but you're from egypt correct yeah
1: i'm egyptian and i moved to dubai three and a half years ago
0: very cool i've seen the skydiving pictures of dubai and I'm like, that, that place is beautiful.
1: It is beautiful. It is beautiful. And it's becoming the tech hub. And uh, like a lot of startups right now is opening here and they made the free zone areas and the free zone low, low for uh, those who would like to open or set up their companies, but not under the, the regular law for uh, UAE or United Arab Emirates. So it's becoming very tech and very startup friendly environment because the city is as well, uh, it's becoming very attractive to people to come and live and because it's tax free as well so there is a lot of cool stuff you should definitely visit
0: was that the reason that you went there or did you go there and then all this stuff happened
1: uh, it was one of the reasons. very but cool yeah, like yeah but i think it's for me it's not only about uh, work it's about work mainly but at the same time you got to be happy when you're working you got to be happy in the cities. so you have you know you have this balanced a lifestyle that help you focus more and get out of any problems or any negativity uh, around the working hours.
0: So you use or do you currently program in Android, or that's how you got your start in this whole industry? Well, this is
1: how I started. I started off as an Android developer, and that was in a company in Egypt called Immobly. I stayed with them for a couple of years, and then I moved here to Dubai, joined them, joined inside as an Android developer, and then from Android developer, I became the mobile and web uh, team lead, and then for mobile web team lead, I became the CTO for Insido, and then we opened Brand Ribbler, alongside was Insido, so I became the CTO for both of them.
0: And how large are the companies currently, like number of engineers? At startup, uh, the
1: the total number of both companies together, because we are in one place, around 18 or 20, so we have this vibe of the family and have this vibe of uh, everyone know each other and everyone support
0: each other. That's real exciting. So which, what's your focus on right now as the CTO? Like where, what are you most excited about? Where is your focus on it? Like this morning when you woke up?
1: No, this morning is different because today is off. This morning I woke up late. So that was my focus, how to get a proper amount of sleeping hours. But it, speaking of the product, especially Brand Rebler, Brand Rebler actually was, uh, it, it did really good because we applied all the learnings that we had uh, from Insider. When we launched Insider, was a startup, it didn't exist, so we had to go through a lot of failures and a lot of learnings. And we took care of all of these when we built Brand Rebler. So I'll give you an example. When we, when we launched Brand Rebler, we knew that what we are designing and what we are developing gonna going to change. And we kept in our mind that we need to give at least six months of uh, testing. And when I say testing, I don't mean testing as technical testing to figure out where are the bugs.
0: <laughs> Business model testing, yeah.
1: No, and this testing the process itself. So we set up, before we start Brand rebel, we, we set with influencers to to see how they think and what they would like to have in the platform and how what are the struggles that they face. And we set as well with brands to see their point of view and what are the complexities that they would like to have in a one place to solve all of these. And then... When we launched, we put our mindset that we are ready to observe and let's see where people struggle and what's not working. And I'm telling you that since in the last six months, we changed the platform maybe 180 degrees, apart from the concept that we work with, influencer brand, and brand. And that was all because of the fact that we learned that when you design a product and when you launch a new startup, don't put in your mindset that the user will necessarily need what you are assuming that they need. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So this is one of the things that I'm happy that we did. And I think it was so beneficial to keep our mindset in this zone. Let's test, but let's test the product as a process. Let's test the product as a usability. What are the rules? So for example, i give you an example. Like uh, we, we're trying to make the process of booking influencer fast. So we are putting timeline or deadlines for each stage. So when a, a brand want to work with influencers, they send them an invitation. And this invitation has 48 hours deadline. If they didn't respond, we will reply back to the client automatically that this influencer is not in. But after a few campaigns, we realized that most of the influencers don't really respond within 48 hours. And that makes us think, like, is the problem with the 48 hours? Is the problem with the notification channel? Like, because we send notification via email. So now we started to explore sending notification automatically via whatsapp and we started to think maybe we can extend a little bit this 48 hours to you know three days instead and all of this stuff this is stuff that i'm talking about when it comes to testing the process another thing that uh, we came across as well is uh, the money how we pay the influencers we realized that okay it's better to pay the influencers using paypal but in some countries in our region we don't support paypal as uh, way of receiving money you can just pay for through it but you cannot receive money on it so we started to explore other options so this is what i was telling you when it's come to we launched we had the product ready from our perspective but putting the product actually in market and seeing and observing how brands and how influencers dealing with it made us massively be aware of a lot of issues and a lot of tweaks that we had to do with the product to become more successful
0: Man, I'm loving it. You're doing what works. It takes... So I found that it either takes brute force of a lot of failure <laughs> or, or reading a few good books from successful people who have done it to avoid the failure. But yeah, the way you're doing the product is like the best way. It's going to be incredibly successful. And man, I'm, I'm so glad to... He- I love when I hear people come and they say, Hey, I, I did things the right way and it worked out. No,
1: yeah, We did things the right way this time because we did it the wrong way last time.
0: Man, everybody does it the wrong. I've, I did it the wrong way several times. And then I did it the right way by accident. And then I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> we'll do it this way this time. This is, this is fantastic. So you like motorcycles? Yeah. Yeah? Is that your primary form of transportation? Well, uh, mainly yes.
1: But uh, living in Dubai, you realize how hot it gets in the summer. Sometimes it's reached 48 or something. And the humidity as well is so high. I think it's very practical solution as well. You don't need to worry about uh, traffic. You need, need to worry about, Just need to worry about everything else in the tra- in the road because it's very dangerous. But uh, it's very cool and it's very and it's for me. Sometimes it's like a meditation. You know, you go yeah. out, you're out, you're flying. It's so good.
0: Now, do you do like the the like the R6, like the Crotch Rockets, or do you do, like the Harleys? I do
1: both. I do uh, Harley, yeah, and Honda uh, CR the, the sports one.
0: Nice. My, um, my brother-in-law owns the, like the largest motorcycle shop in our town. They, what is they, it? Uh, it's called Dan's mobile V twin. They or Dan's V twin now. Cause they, he started out, it was really cool. He started out with, he just had a trailer and he would drive his trailer to people and he would fix their bikes at their house in the trail. That's cool. Yeah. So that's how he set himself apart. And so he was, he networked within the group and then he would drive the trailer to the house, but he did that for a year or two. He got so many clients and all of a sudden he's like, well, now I need a facility where people can come drop their bikes off because I have too many, or he would pick the bikes up and bring them back three years. Uh, so like now he's three years in business, four years in business. And now he's got this like several thousand square foot warehouse with hundreds of bikes in it and just people coming and going all day, tons of employees. And he's just, yeah. And to get this, I asked him, I was like, do you have a database for all your customers? You should like send them coupons, do some marketing stuff. You know, cause we're at like Thanksgiving dinner. We just talk business stuff. Right. And he's like, I don't have a database of my customers. He's like, everybody just texts me. I'm like, dude, you not- that's what I said. I <laughs> said." You need someone to come sit in there and like put all your stuff into a database so you can, you know, send out an oil change recurring like membership to get like unlimited oil changes for twenty five bucks a month or something because you'll profit, right? I got to market this stuff. He's like, he's like, honestly, Joel. He's like, I'm just trying to keep up with like the new customers. He's like, we're having to get another warehouse, and he's like, hey. he's like, I'm just gonna keep dealing with everything as it comes at me. I was like, all right. <laughs>
1: When you need it, let me know.
0: huh? <laughs> I know. I was like, but for myself, you know, it's like, it really is. Inter- and I'm sure you experienced this too. Uh, how do you spend your time? Like starting now, I'm learning a lot about focus and time management. When more opportunities come up now, it's like, how do you reject opportunities? You know, because otherwise you're doing the squirrel thing. <laughs> One of the
1: cool uh, rules when it's come to time management that I've learned is it's called the four Ds. i sure if have
0: you heard Four, the four Ds, like as a dog?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. The uh, first D is uh, don't. The second D is uh, delegate. The third D is uh, delay. The last one is do. So usually it's, it's very handy when it's come to tech. So when you get a new requirement, first of all, try to negotiate the, the don't. Try to see if you really need it or not. If it's really beneficial for the product or not. Is it really worth it and going to add value to the user or not? If not, then don't do it. If yes, then try to see what time do we need it? How, how urgent it is? This is the delay one. So if it's really important and urgent, this is where you decide the urgency. And when do you need to deliver this? So this is the second one, the delay. If you couldn't delay it, then you see who in the team is the best person to do it. So you can make sure that your time stay focused in the management, not in the execution. So, and this is the delegate. The last one, you don't have someone that can do it in your team and you cannot delay it and you need to do it then you have to do it which is the loss d which is the do
0: what Sammy? you're just dropping gold on us right now that is like that's that's straight knowledge i like that thank you so much right yeah that like what else are you holding back on me <laughs> <laughs> just asking i'll tell you so, so now you have a team, and part of your team actively engages influencers so that they know about the platform, and the other half of your team actively engages brands to bring them on. Is that how your what's your structure like to grow your business?
1: So the team is divided into the first the tech who build the platform, and then we have the campaign manager, and the campaign manager, as you said, part of them responsible for the influencers, onboarding them, recruiting them, because influencers are working individually these days. So we try to onboard them and convince them that it's better to be on our platform so we can give them more opportunities. And this is one stage. The other stage is uh, bringing the client and convince them that we are the right product for you to secure your work and make sure it's uh, so smooth and to make sure that your money is safe because we screw the money and we, we keep the money for 14 days even after the influencer finishes their work. To make sure that sometimes influencers post and then they delete the post after. Sometimes they post but Not exactly what they agreed on with the brands. so we try to secure this thing and we'll make sure that it's exactly as the way that the brands were, uh, want
0: Oh, quality control, yeah, that's awesome that it sounds like a huge need and a big solution that you guys have built so when you're when you're hiring people and bringing people onto your team as you grow, what are you looking for in the human like when somebody you're looking at hiring someone, you're thinking about it. What's like a big red flag or what's like a big green flag? What makes you say, oh, I re- we really need to bring this person on or, ooh, they just did that and it's probably not going to work out? I think the big red flag can be the attitude. Attitude. Yeah, if, 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 the, if the developer or
1: if the campaign manager are brilliant and they're really good in what they do, but their attitude is negative or uh, they are not team players, it's, there is no need. There is no need. It's, it might damage your product. Because it's like it's propagate negative energy propagate among the team. If every day someone talk negative about the product or, or make the people less motivated about what they do or start to focus on the problems and not trying to put themselves in the business uh, perspective, uh, when it's come to change and when it's come to uh, uh, urgency or when it's come to a strict deadline, they gonna damage your product. And it's like that you know it's like that rotten apple. If you left it with apples, it's like it's gonna infect them. You know what I mean? So the attitude is something that we recently, not recently, it's like a while ago, we started to really focus on it. So we start the interview by asking them first about themselves. Tell us about you, about yourself. What do you like? And then when you start to talk technically, oh, well, I love to cool that I was born on a keyboard, you know, this kind of stuff. No, no, no. I want to know about you. I want to know what, what movies do you watch? What, what do you do in your free time? Trying to get, and why, why do you want to leave your previous company? to you need to, to sense a sense of loyalty? Are they... Just focusing on themselves, and the, it's hard for you to build the reality with them to stay with you in the long term, or not, then you, you need to decide and you need to take care of all of this. So, this is one of the things that we make sure you know, it's the cultural fit thing at the beginning, at the end. This is the first stage and the last stage of our interviews. This is what we call the red flag, it's attitude. I think we could also that the technicality is something that you can learn. And also one of the things that I I consider attitude is uh, hunger and willing to learn new things and not being afraid to be put in a new zone that you are not comfortable with or uh, to learn a new skill that you are not aware of. So if you don't have this attitude of like, I want to learn something new or learning something new doesn't excite you, then we're going to struggle. You know what I mean? Because you don't know where the business is going to take you a year from now. We deviate to match the user expectation and to make sure that we get as much revenue as we can, right? So so that's something that leads us to change the whole technical uh, technology or the tech stack that we use. Or sometimes maybe we change the whole model, business model. Or sometimes we don't need this rule or we need this rule. So all of this stuff is something that we will learn. So if you have the right attitude, you know, the fighters, then you can do anything. Otherwise, you're going to struggle as a business owner.
0: It takes a lot of energy to first find out what's actually needed and then communicate it back to the people that will actually be executing it. And if you have that added barrier of convincing the people who need to execute it to just execute it, that takes a lot of energy out of you. I mean, I've been in that position where I've had to convince developers to write something a specific way. And it's like, I shouldn't be like, we're doing it this way, you
1: know? I think it's... It should be done, but to a limit. So, first of all, your team have to trust you. Because if the team, your team won't trust you, they will doubt every single decision that you take, and it will drain you, as you said, to try to convince them why we need to change this. Because so it has to be a sense of trust between them and you. And the second thing is, I believe that you need to convince them and to put them as well in the big picture and try to let them be imported on the decision-making level sometimes so they because sometimes you might give you a better solution that the one that you think of sometimes as a you might think that this is the best way to do it as a take lead but they look well since this is the problem Sammy, i think it's the best way to do it this way because it's gonna make us face this struggle in the future or whatever so i think it's important to let them be let them know exactly what's happening from the Vision perspective and from the strategy perspective of the product high level, so also they feel sense of ownership or they feel that where things are going and and sometimes also you will be surprised how much this can encourage them to come up with new ideas that help the business. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. No productive pushback is very important. Some so there's the people who will always push back with a negative attitude and that's i think what you were talking about earlier that like you can't have that like you can't always push back just to push back but the people that like i like it when people push back with solutions i don't like it when people push back with no answer they say no we can't do that and i say why what's a better way and they have no answer like that's not great but when people when there's problems and people come to me with solutions that i can evaluate that's very useful but yeah you you mentioning attitude that that could be a huge red flag or a huge green flag right It can be a red
1: flag but i don't know how can we consider it the uh, green flag if they have good attitude yeah if they have good attitude because this is not the only thing sometimes they might have good attitude but they're missing the skill you know what i mean yeah. we, we came across candidates or people that we actually hired they were very nice like very, so lovable you know what i mean but At the same time, that from the tech perspective, or from that, when it's come to technicality about what they do, they're not really great. You know what I mean? So it's uh, a bit challenging. I can consider it clearly. It's easy to say that that's red flag. You have bad attitude. But because you have good attitude, that doesn't mean that's green flag. Let's me let me embroider. I think the green flag is about a mixture of attitude and. Uh, Being up to date themselves, self motivated, self motivated people are the best because they make you be able to focus on your stuff, make you not worried about them from uh, you know from from, as a team member, and sometimes also they affect the people around them positively. So being self motivated is is, that can be a green flag.
0: Yeah, self motivated with some skill, right? Some skill and some history with a great attitude. I mean, and, and you know what? Usually. I have found that often the best people, they'll, they'll just like, they wrap all three real fast. Like I can identify it. I get excited. I see. all right, they have a good attitude. That's a little check mark. Oh wait, they, they actually have some skill. Oh man, they're ambitious too. Because when you can take as a leader, when you can take that, that process, that person, and you can just let it run, that's what we're here to do. We're to find the people that can run and then resource them to run. Like let them, let them make it happen. Wow. You have co-founders, correct? Yeah. Tell me about your co-founders, how you met, the relationship, how that's going.
1: I joined, as I told you, I joined Insido and Insido founded by Tanaz She's the founder of uh, both uh, companies mm-hmm. in 2014. And then... Uh, after one year of hard work, and after one year of fighting all together as one team, I got uh, to be one of the co-founders. I didn't, for inside, I didn't start it with them for the beginning, but I think because of the effort and the, the values that I've added, and the attitude that I've shown along this period of time, it, uh, I, I became co-founder in this. And, and this actually make you change as, uh, when, you, when you see yourself as a co-founder of the business, it's totally different from you are being just an employee there. So you're an employee there, your, your targets are different, like, oh, myself, the products, let me do my tasks that, that I have to deliver, that's it. But with co-founder, you feel like, I want to make this business succeed regardless. You know what I mean? So you start to put all your focus, you start to think about it 24-7, it's different. And But for Brand Ribbler, we started it all together. And that was, I think, late 2016. Uh, this is where we decided that like, we came, we sat all together. Tanaz is a founder, and uh, Siobhan Sphere, uh, uh, the co-founder as well with us. Three of us, we sat, this is ideas that we that we have right now. What do you think, guys? Do you think it's worth it or not? And then we all started to come up with ideas, and then we spent like two months trying to plan the whole thing and how the process can be for Brand Rebler, because it's a bit complicated. What if the influencer did this? What, what, what the platform should respond? What well, client did this? Oh, but the client might want. You know what I mean? There is a lot of cases. Like I give an example. We have 52 email notification that are being triggered automatically for different stages. This is how how many cases that we can have, and for each influencer, for each uh, uh, client. So this is how we found it together. And then we, I took the tech part, and then uh, Tanaz is running the the, the business business for, as, a, as, a, as a CEO as well, and Shiv is helping us as well from different perspective.
0: So what is the, the most like common mistake that you see? Or Obviously, you have friends who are founders who are doing their own thing because we're just in the ecosystem, right? And you've got to be seeing they'll make some mistakes. What's the most common mistake that you see happening out there?
1: The most common mistakes?
0: Yeah, not necessarily at your company, just the most common mistakes you see happening in early-stage startup founders?
1: Okay. The first thing, there is a lot, definitely. Oh, yeah. But the first thing <laughs> to my mind right now is uh, building apps. That is a very, very common mistake. <sighs> People start their business and they decide, I don't know why, that we definitely need to have Android and iOS and sometimes Windows Phone. And then they start to invest into having designers for the for the android and ios and developers for these and they keep developing and keep changing and then there are that one website can serve their needs so people start thinking that i don't know why there is a social pressure as well uh, some business owners think that if i have app, i will be more respected in the market or maybe among my users but i believe that the app is the last decision that you should make as a business owner if your product is not a game or it is not something that. Uh, you can run only on web you know what i mean it's not a music player for example it's not an application that needs all the to access all the facilities of a device or or whatever so i think what everyone should start do at the beginning is just to go for one cross-platform which is the web do it responsive desktop and mobile version and then notice and try to observe the analytics and see how people actually using your platform is it more frequent, is it like, is it the daily need? Then maybe you can consider an app. Uh, is, it, uh, is it mobile it's more than desktop? Because sometimes, like for example, when we, ha- we have two kinds of users for brand influencers and the, and the clients, 90% of the users for the brand side are desktop, 75 or maybe 80%, this is from the analytics, 80% of our users for, from the influencer side are mobile. So this has made us realize that, okay, once we start having an app, we can to implement for influencers first. Because from the brand perspective, they just want to open the desktop because most probably they're doing it during their working hours. But influencers are all in their phone all the time. So this is something maybe have saved us some time and some money that we could have invested on an app for brands that they don't really need it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I've, I've, I was talking with a few co-founders uh, recently, and then most of them, like, uh, we have to have an app. And one of them was uh, a co-founder of a company to, that helped users to book flights. So how often are you going to book flight a year? One time, two times, five times, 12 times? So having 12 times usage, do you think it's worth creating an app for? In my opinion, I don't think so. You know what I mean? So I think this is one of the most common things that people think of, uh, we got to have an app since we're going to have a product because app well, is here, Here's a
0: good thing. Here's a good point too, just to, since you brought that example up, I could see myself searching for flights more often than booking flights. So like, you, maybe you don't build out the 80% of the booking features and you just build out a basic search version, you know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah, but the junior mistake would be to build out the entire booking system and mobiles, right? And have all that weight when, when people are just doing the search filter. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's, that's very common. I think the second thing as well is uh, not to consider the user behavior on your product. This is a very common product. So a lot of people as well, when they build their business, they assume that this is what the user needs and this is how we're going to build it, this is how we're going to achieve it. And then they go out, they launch, and then they ignore how the user is engaging with the product and what are the difficulties that they are facing. So this is why we we use few tools that, first of all, analytics is something that we always keep our eye on. The second is we're using few tools that show us the user session itself and where they click and how they navigate. That makes us realize a lot of things, like for example, uh, the, the form that the influencer has to fill when they register had a, a text box of uh, 150 characters about yourself. And we realized that 80% of them get struggling and they wait. They wait sometimes two minutes, three minutes, and they don't know what to write, so we made it non-mandatory. And when we made it non-mandatory field, the number of registration have increased because it was a drop-off stage. People used to uh, I don't know how to write about myself. I can make good content, take good pictures, but doesn't mean that I'm a good writer or can summarize myself, you know what I mean?
0: It's hardest to write about yourself, too.
1: Yeah, that's true. Not everyone can write about themselves smoothly.
0: Right, so what I will actually do, and this is, so first, all right. this is uh, some raw, unshared experience before so like someone, like my gut says, ah, I probably shouldn't share it, but I'm gonna lean into it and share it. Because uh, <laughs> you gotta help the people, man, right? Uh, Put myself out there. All right. So at first I would hire, because I write, I like to write. So I'd hire someone to write about me because I couldn't write about me. Like I felt awkward writing about me. But then what I realized, like after reading it, like I would read what people would come back, after hiring people enough to like do like a bio or rework something personal, I started to develop the tone that they're speaking in, in my head. Right. So I just developed that as a tone. And whenever I have to write about myself now, I just go into that like persona in my head and I write about it from the outside. So it works.
1: Yeah. I think I, I agree with you. I did the same thing. First time I wanted to write my bio, I felt a bit awkward. How can, I, how can I summarize myself? Like how I can put everything in the right way so it doesn't get wrong or at the same time show what I have? And I, and I hired a content writer to give to write my bio. And then after a few times working with you know, content writers, I realized that sometimes they don't give the same vibe that I want to give. So I started to tweak what they have. And then I started, I think it's better to develop your own tune of voice. But it takes a bit of time, especially if you are not into this industry. But when you get it, you will master it. and think it will be much, much more effective.
0: Yeah, but Sammy, you and I got that consistency though, man. We can do anything in life. We got that patience. Exactly.
1: That's the key, I swear to God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you're a leader at the company w- throughout these engineers and non-engineers your whole team how are you sort of what are you looking for as far as like who's going to be future leaders when you double in size like what's on your mind there Are you just giving tasks to people and feeling them out and getting to know them
1: I think it's uh, it's this it's something that you develop but at the same time you have to have a base in your DNA not everyone who doesn't have the leadership in their DNA can be a leader even if you invested so much time in them. And I've done this mistakes before with one of the developers. He, he said, I want to be, I want to lead, I want to manage. And then, okay, I think part of my job is to make them, to make their goals happen and to see where can I fit this need into an opportunity that helped the business as well. So I pushed it and I started to invest in this person a lot. But at the same time, it didn't work. Because first of all, they have to be extrovert as a, as a person. They have to be, you know, proactively go out and talk with people. Second, they have to be inspiring as well. Because if if you are not inspired and look up to your, your management, it's going to be hard for, for you to believe in them and to fight for them. And also it's something that you're going to have knowledge, broad knowledge, not vertical. When I say broad, it's like you need to learn a little bit of everything to allow you to deal with everything or to mentor everything and oversee, plus the character as well. Character is something that we cannot ignore. If It's, it's so critical. So all of these together, if they are in one of the, the characters, even if in the very early stage, I think it's, it makes them qualify to be a leader. So you should not try to promote someone blindly or we should not try to because they want to be in, in charge or because a lot of developers think or a lot of non-developers, everyone think of oh, the next stage for me, I, I'm now in the execution level, next time I should be in the management level. Yeah, that's that's natural progression, but f- from the business perspective, you should not respond to it without taking into consideration these four aspects that I just told you about. Right. So if they, if they have it in their DNA, if they are willing to learn a lot of things and they are not scared to take responsibility, have the character, can be inspiring, then I think, yeah, you should, you should push it. You should invest in them and definitely you will get something. But if one of these elements are not there, it, it's going to fail. It's going to fail. And I'm telling you from my experience. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> you, one of the... Something that I didn't know that came up on the show with another guest was that at some companies, they promote you into leadership just because of the time you've been there. And they'll actually push engineers who've been there for a long time into leadership when they're when they don't even want to necessarily go to leadership. The leadership will push them into it because of how long they've been there and i that blew my mind because I haven't worked in big companies. I've just worked in um companies that I've created or co-founded, and so the leadership of the companies that I've been in is we identify leaders resource them and then slowly trans- transition them and mentor them into it. I would never just see someone, oh, you've been there 10 years? Okay, now you're the leader. But that happens.
1: Yeah, it happens a lot. It happens a lot. It's very common, actually. What's non common is what I'm telling you about. And it was, we did that as well with this person that I told you about. It's because it was, you know, in, in our, everyone's mind that, oh, they spent some time, they are, they are in the industry for X amount of years. So I think it's the next stages for them is to be leader. But sometimes you might find someone five years younger, or maybe just joined the company a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago, but they are actually, they can be leader and can perform much better.
0: You have an excellent following online. So you're very, you're very good in the social aspect. What advice would you give to other CTOs, anyone listening about how to provide quality content? What do you credit your success to other than being awesome? You can say being awesome if you want. I would credit my success to the consistency. Oh, yes. That's the, that's the theme of the episode. There we go. Yeah,
1: it's, success doesn't come in one day, or uh, you don't just do something and then suddenly you become successful. You got to build and you got to invest and you got to do it in the day you feel good and in the day that you feel bad as well and you don't feel like doing it at all. So when you do this, it's accumulative. It's like you, every day you put something, you put something, but after one year, you find yourself putting 365 blocks. It, it, it's, it's huge and, uh, and, and be patient because people think sometimes they start, okay, now this year from day one, I'm going to become like, I go to the gym or I will start to read more. Or I will start to do whatever to make myself achieve this goal. And then they expect to see the result of it in a couple of weeks, but it doesn't work like this. You got to be patient. You got to be consistent. Consistency and patience is what will get you there eventually. And when I say eventually, I mean eventually because it's going to take some time. You might be lucky and get it quickly, but it's the, the, default, the default for this is to be patient and it's going to take some time. So that's one thing. The second, I think, is that creating good content, you got to feel it. You need to not to create content for the sake of it and not to create content because this is the day of the week that I have to create my content. No, you need to create content when you actually have something that you feel it should be shared with people. Or you create something when you feel like, when you feel what you are trying to say, like I say creating an article, don't create, I create articles or I write articles sometimes on my blog, but based on situations, I tried at the beginning, okay, let me put every week I write an article and it didn't work. And I thank God I stopped that very early because I felt it, uh, how you're going to find yourself trying to find a topic, not be, and, and not an inspiring topic, not a, a topic that you based on a, an experience or based on a situation that actually makes you motivated to give people something that they can learn from. So if you have to feel your content and you have to do it when, when, you, when, when there is a need to do it and when you feel it's qualified enough to give a knowledge and always have to have a giveaway, you should not just, we are, we are not storytellers, or at least I'm talking about myself, you know what I mean? So that's why I like your book, because the book is is straightforward. Here you go, in this situation, you're going to find this. In this situation, I found this. Small, small blocks that I can get something out of them. Not trying to write a story around everything. So I think you should keep that in your mind. That's why the most uh, successful dev blogs are the ones that, I'm talking about the personal blogs, are the ones that they write when they come across a problem. They come across a problem and they find a solution for them. They... They write a content about it. to try to share it with people so they can share the knowledge and they can at least speak out themselves in, uh, in the writing way.
0: Yeah. Well, it's especially... As humans, we like to contribute, right? So when you go search for the answers and no one's posted about it, then you go solve it. You kind of feel this responsibility to let the next person know, you know, save some time here, learn from my mistakes.
1: I don't get those developers who... Because I have them in my team sometimes, or, or I worked with them along, in, in, along the years that I've worked with in the software and industry. So, some developers, will, when they come across a problem and they try to search for it online, or they don't find it on Stack Overflow, they, they don't try to share with people what they the, the conclusion is something new, that right? why don't you share it? You know what I mean? That's why I believe strongly in Stack Overflow and the idea behind it. You share your problem. You share your solution. You share even if someone wrote a solution, you can post another one, and people engage with it.
0: Oh man, I get—I still get points from like 2011. You know, like I, I every once in a while, I just get points for like you know Stack Overflow points. I'll get an email, and some some question I answered way back when, I'll gain five points. And it's not a ton. It's not a ton. Like, I think I have like maybe a thousand points, but the steady consistently, I'm helping someone. Every five points is like, that means if it's like a thousand, that means I've helped like two, 300 people, right? There
1: you go. Stack yes, Overflow. you see this new KPI, the impact. I'm not sure if you noticed it or not, many people watched your answer or your question. So I was seeing this number recently, and it says that 2 million people have. Came across your answers or your or your questions. It makes you feel like that's a valuable number. You know, what I mean, you should check it out. When you open your profile, you, will, you will see the number on the right.
0: Yeah, because I still get points all the time, which is pretty cool. I'm looking at like which ones are most popular right here. I was talking about um, let's see, uh, clearing rescue workers, like stuck or stale rescue workers. Uh, Ruby division infinity slash nan should return zero. This one I was re- doing a financial app. Well, that's, that's like 2015.
1: <laughs> Mine is, why does an image captured using Android camera get rotated?
0: Ooh, the, there you the,
1: go. That's the most popular one. We got 102 vote up for it.
0: Nice, nice. So if you had to give yourself one piece of advice 10 years ago, 10 years back in Sammy's past, what would you do? What would you say to yourself?
1: I would say to myself, explore new technologies and new domains because you never know where is your passion is the most at because when i started my career i was an android developer and i decided to be an android with all the passion i was so in love with it and uh like a lot of my colleagues used to advise me sami you need to try something new you need to try backend. you need to try ios you need to try new technology i was like no man i'm gonna be the master of the android and then and, and then I was so into it and I was so enjoying it until when I joined Insido, I was enforced because of the situation to help and participate in different domains. And then I realized, oh my God, wow, I love this domain. It's so enjoyable for me. Like I get a lot of satisfaction when I learn into it, when I, more than the Android. So this is something that I would genuinely be grateful if I had it in my mindset at the beginning of my career because it definitely could have helped me and make me widen my uh, my knowledge base more. Right now,
0: all right, so a little variety. Mm,
1: yeah, yeah. Right, well, try. Maybe you, at least
0: you make sure if you don't
1: like it that you hate it. You should not go there again. You know what I mean?
0: I find that my happiness is really rooted in growth. When I'm growing, I'm really happy. Yeah. So that w- that would be a way to achieve growth is trying you know a variety of trying new things. Thank you so much for coming hanging out. If I if I legitimately make travel plans to Dubai, I'm texting you. I'm reaching out to you and yeah, we're going to hang out. Definitely. Thank you so much for listening and if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you would like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn